Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we promised the listeners a week ago we were going to talk about the Lions. I have somebody that I know a little bit come up to me a couple of days ago and said, you promised you were going to talk about the Lions. <laughs> okay, fine. This person is related to me. I'm actually his father. But still, he's looking forward to it. He wanted to hear you and us when he's out on the, you know, riding the tractors, cutting the grass, doing whatever. He wants to know about the Lions. So if he does, that means lots of other people do too. The other 10 listeners, what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. For the now, I'm glad that we have one listener, now maybe two, and it's the whole Sean, uh, the Sean Windsor family over there riding, I guess, tractors on your expansive No, no, you not know, land. That, no, that's his job. He's doing it at a public, uh, is that a public course? I can't remember. Technically, yes. Yeah, it is technically because it's a public school, but... Yes, no, this is this is for his job. But to know, it's uh dude, it's it's the Lions season is here, man. And um, I mean, you know, you could talk about Michigan football and did they won, you could talk about Michigan State, they won. We'll have plenty of time to get to that, right? We don't right, do we need we to, should, do you we, want to chime the, in a little on them or just Lions? All the, Lions. If you want if you want to, the Tigers are still uh playing. So I guess there's that. Well, I want to talk to you about I just I just want to talk to you and I hate to do this because uh, you you love your grandstand on your own, so you don't need any help from me. But you you wrote two very interesting columns about Michigan football, and uh, given given uh, the free Harbaugh, you know JJ McCarthy dude a pass because he's just a kid, and then writing an interesting column about Mel Tucker, uh, you know saying we're going to get booed, and again, you know these kids are like, what did they have a a foot in adulthood and maybe an arm or something, and. But they're kids, golly gee. So again, about the kids. So I want to talk to you about the kids playing high-level college football where they're getting thousands of dollars, tens of thousands for NIL. But whatever. Uh, I want to get into that a little bit. Um, so I want no, to let's, give let's go into it right now. We'll, we'll, get to the line, we'll get to the lines here in a minute because uh, they do have a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs. So we'll, we'll, we'll spend the bulk of the time talking about that. But yeah, we can, we can talk about that for a second. Let's, what, what, what you got? What's your thoughts? By the way, I wrote another column on Sunday that I didn't know they were going to hold, but I guess they've been, there's so much line stuff everybody's <laughs> producing. They're sprinkling it in, right? So it's been kind of interesting. I wrote, but I wrote a column that about Dan Campbell that you and I actually talked about a little bit last, last week. Yep. And that's just sitting there. And that will be, of course, it's not a counter to what you wrote about Ben Johnson. That was a good column, by the way, except for the 10 eyes in the first paragraph, but it was, um, it was uh, you know, a nice, I thought, reported out, thoughtful, interesting column. And um, so it'll be a companion piece. How about that? Not a contradictory piece. That's the word I'm thinking of, a companion piece. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's uh, we, we can get to your your favorite coach on the planet, Dan Campbell. So your muse. No, I'm just, yeah, no, no, no. I just, uh, you you keep, you know, Ben Johnson, in your mind, owns the Lions, right? He's, he's literally, he literally, it's his team. So yeah, that's, uh, I'm just trying to counter that a little bit. But uh, no, what you got on Michigan? And Michigan State. By the way, did we say they both won? I think everybody listening yeah. probably knows they both won. They both won fairly comfortably. Different kind of games, different things to take away, but we don't need to break all that down. You want to talk about what? Mel gonna, Mel Tucker and, and Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, let's, well, uh, kind of. But the, the thing I thought just was interesting is how I don't, and I, I don't go out there and scour Wolverine land for everything that was ever written uh over the weekend when they when they beat east carolina but uh this whole you know like you i think i would definitely would have approached this differently we're different people we're different people i get it sean but you know giving giving little old jj a pass of free harbaugh and even everybody's debating it on the internet and you know what does this mean your school imposed it's a self-imposed three-game ban free him from what the administration and then he hugs ward manual and this is the kind of empty garbage kind of stuff that the internet has created of just let's just shout out into the world and and it doesn't mean anything and oh what did he say just it it, it doesn't mean anything i just want my coach back what do you mean you want your coach back your school they, your school suspended him then why don't you go talk see ward manual over there go talk to him tell him you want your coach back or what i mean it's just a weird i, I had no problem with the with the formation and holding up four fingers and whatever like okay fine that was that was cute it was a little 
symbolic gesture. You know, by the way, what kind of sandwich do you think Harbaugh was eating? That uh, was it, Jesse Minter's? Uh, no, who was it? Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore's wife made so. Uh, yeah, but it was. Uh, but the whole free Harbaugh. I just hate this. It's like a. It's like a. A nothing, empty, mindless protest against nothing. I just. It bothered me. Just like man, hold these kids. Kids, hold these kids. Hold these kids accountable. Because JJ is going to be in the NFL pretty soon, and he's not going to get away with that. They're going to, hopefully, the NFL writers, hopefully, but probably not, are going to make him, you know, back up what he's saying. What do you mean by backing up? What does it mean? It means nothing. He's like, that's all there is to it. You know, what does it mean? No, it's just empty a way gesture. Saying it, it's not an empty gesture. I mean, it's just, it's just saying he misses his coach. That's all he's saying, right? I mean, what else is he saying besides that? He wants his coach back. He's saying something is not fair about this process, that he's not happy he, with he it. He is. But he, he doesn't is. want to criticize the administration or Ward Manuel or Santa Ono or whoever it might be. He, It's like a faceless boogeyman, right? So he's going to criticize the school that's trying to preempt the NCAA, which has rules that he probably doesn't agree doesn't with. say that. When his coach – why does he need to say that? When his coach – is uh, is uh, claiming he didn't do anything wrong in the first place, right? So there's been no due process at all. He just knows his coach is gone. Whatever. I, I what. So if the quarterback wants to say, "Hey, I want my coach back," I'm gonna write a free Harbaugh. I love my coach. That's why he's here. And the other players want to say that. That whatever. That's fine. They can do that. I'm not gonna make a value judgment on that. That's not my job. That's yeah, not of course, that's your job. That you get paid for to make value judgments. Your opinion. No, it's not. Columnist. It's that's not my job Absolutely. at all. My job is it's not to make a value judgment. That's that's just superior moral empty crap. That's all it is. You're acting like you're better than everybody else. I'm not saying you, but that's what you do when you do that. That's not. <laughs> we've got enough of that in society. Our whole political system is that. I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm sick of it. No, and that's what happens is when you have these people. These and like you said, our political system. People sending up there railing against. I'm not going to get political, but just certain things, issues, yeah, hot be topic, careful. and be nobody's, careful. At, nobody's at fault, and nobody's at whatever, and I'm. let's just, you know, certain kinds of culture, it's, it's culture no war, different but we're than, not going to uh, name names. We're just going to say things that are It's no different than holding up signs. It's no different when people his age are doing the same thing two generations ago, protesting the man. What does the man mean? The man can mean all sorts of Nixon. things. You, you put know. Nixon's name on that when it was during the Vietnam War. No, they but said, this whole you know, the whole idea of the man comes out of it comes out of the movement in the late sixties, right? That's where it started. I'm, it's basically your process and authority. I don't think it's fair. My coach didn't do anything wrong. Whatever. That's all he's saying. He misses his coach. I mean, look, college Sensei, football. I miss you, coach. A little heart with Harbaugh on it, and that's it. Not free. Well, what I, I don't know this what, free JMO free well, no, Harbaugh. Well, no, I wrote. Like, and I wrote in the column that uh, he's, you know, the school's the one that did. I mean, I pointed all that out. Not that I need to. Everybody knows that, but you feel like you got to at least point that out. But it's uh, to me, it's just the kids miss their their, uh, their 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 coach, and that's all there was to it. I thought it was more telling that he said he didn't think it would matter. I thought that was more interesting. That would matter. That he wasn't there. He didn't. He didn't think it would be feel any different. And he said it surprised him that it felt yeah. different that that Harbaugh wasn't there. Like, and I thought, well, why wouldn't you think that matter? You're at that school by and large because of him, right? I mean, that's how it is. I don't even. Sometimes, I don't know if I believe him when he says that. Sometimes you go there for an assistant coach. You know, you get recruited. You're assistant coach. What you don't believe him when he says what that he didn't think it would matter. That it, I mean, to me, it, there's there's only two things, two two answers to that. One, I, he's not really telling the truth, or he has not one shred of introspection in him. Which is maybe maybe that does make more sense if he doesn't have any introspection or analytical thinking. If he also didn't think, well, writing free Harbaugh on his shirt and he's the star of the program and he knows he's going to get put on TV for a national audience for you know tens of thousands or millions of watchers or viewers. Uh, well, I mean, it's Peacock, maybe tens. Um, so you know, like. You didn't. How could you not think that if you you miss your coach so much, it's Harbaugh? You know, like how could you think you're not going to miss him? I mean, I think I think maybe what he maybe have meant is I wasn't. I was surprised at how much I would miss him, knowing he wasn't going to be there. But then when the reality sets no, in, wow, because, he's but, really but, not here. But in sports, maybe it's different. I mean, obviously, if you're, uh, I'm trying to think. If you're a uh, uh, golf, you play golf or whatever. It's your caddy. You play tennis, whatever. But maybe even a sport with maybe basketball. But but in football, it's a it's a machine, and you're just you're preached this whole time. There's it's not about one person. It's just there are 85 people involved that play plus another 
I don't know how many dozens of support people, not to mention the coaching staff, which is another 15 people or whatever. And so you got a hundred plus people and you're not really thinking and you're, you're, you're taught from the minute you start playing that game that it's not about you. Deion Sanders went viral over the weekend with his pregame speech, which was really clever of him, by the way. In and a postgame speech. Well, that too, but it didn't know his pregame speech. His pregame speech in particular, what, what did he say? What was he saying to his kids? It's about what us. was he saying to him? No, it's about the guy next to you. That's the guy. Not you, not you, the guy next to you. And whatever, you can say this cliche, whatever else. But the reason it went viral is because people are like, oh, I, I, I run out on the field for that. You know what I mean? Especially if you're young. And, that, and that's what football is. So I totally understand why he would think it's not going to be that big a difference. You got 100 people, you're missing one. We've got the same people calling the plays. You know, Harbaugh's been with us uh, until Friday night, right? He was there the whole week. He designed it. So why? I could see it would be different if he was out for three weeks and away from Schembecker Hall. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. But uh, I, I, I mean, when you have, I, as much as you say, there's, yeah, you know, 1,500 people on the sideline or whatever support staff, but it's, but, it is all about the head coach, you know, in college football. I mean, those guys are, they, it's, they're like, it's like Patton out there, you know, it's, it's their army. They give the speeches, they rally people. I'm sure when McCarthy comes off, gives them a handshake and a pat on the back. It's, it's like a little blank, a security blanket. You know, it's, it's good to know that for sure, is there. for sure. And he know and he knows that now. And so my job, we're talking about our job, my job, the way I see it is not to think about what I would think or what I would do. But what, what it's like for him and to put that in the context of what a 20 year old, you know, that to me is a much harder thing to do. I'm not trying to guess and get in his mind and say he should do this or there or whatever. Is he telling the truth or whatever? I'm trying to figure out, okay, yeah, what's it like when you're that age? Yes, it's easy to sit here and say, well, he should have known it's going to feel different. I mean, yeah, for us it is. For you, I don't have as much of a problem about that. That's, is it for my not, kid? You know, I mean, my kid's a little older, 20. But yeah, I mean, so that, I guess that's how I try to think about it. Yeah, you're very understanding. No, I don't, I don't necessarily think that. I, just back to your earlier point about the political, it's a really good one. Not that we want to get naming names or anything. We don't want to go down that road, my, my brother. But, but uh, it's just, we have so much of that. We just have so much of that. And I just, in my tiny little corner of the world, my little tiny speck of dust, I try to put something in a different context. It's not, it's, you know, so I don't think it's overly understanding at all. I mean, you go out in your world, Carlos, tell me. You, you, people people let you merge. I mean, I know I know there's a lot of people that get angry and honk their horn or whatever, but there's just as many people that, that slow down and let you merge in, right? They do, sure. or or hold the door open for you, or put their grocery cart back, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, it's easy to focus on the person that's riding you and honking and raging on you, you know. But there are just as many people doing the other thing. So I guess that's how I try to to look at things. I'm By the sorry. way, one of my one of my pet peeves in life is I hold the door open for people all the time. Young, I know you old. do because you're you're a gentleman. I'm a gentleman, and I I try to do that. But one of my pet peeves is. I, and it's true. You go try this, the listener at home. You hold the door open for somebody, and ninety percent of the time you hold open, they still do not trust you. As they come up to the door, they put their hand out like you're going to let it go at the last. And I'm almost tempted to one day just let it let it rip. Just like, all right, you're going to if you got it from here, like I am not. You so know, you're saying you're saying even fundamentally, even something like that with human beings, there's just no more trust. trust. Yes, people don't, don't trust, trust each other. At the bottom, at the core of people, Sean, we are just distrustful animals. That's just who we are. We're and out for our own. No, we all fight for our own life, for sure, in the end. But 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 real quickly, because I know you want to talk about Mel Tucker, too. Real quickly, the last thing about McCarthy, and I wrote this, is that you know you can say he wanted attention, and I believe he probably wanted attention, and I wrote that. But that doesn't mean he all – so he can want attention to me and also be sincere about missing Harbaugh and wanting to free Harbaugh at the same time. So you can have two competing things. You can be, you know, sitting in front of the goalpost and chanting or whatever it is. And maybe that does help him. I'm not going to say it doesn't. Who am I to say it doesn't help him? But also he knows the cameras are on him, right? So it, so to me, it could be both. And I think he's got a little bit of that. I think he's got, you know, like he knows the cameras are on him for sure. I, there's two things that, you know, I'm sure JJ listens to our podcast. So I want, I want, I'm speaking to you directly, JJ, two things. One, 
I, I'm sure you're going to be in the NFL next year. If he keeps playing like he did the other day. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, there's no question. He's going to be. Yeah, he's, it's too good. There's two things. One, um, watch how much time you hang out by yourself as a quarterback, as a leader of a team. Uh, you know, I get the meditation thing, but in the pros, it's a little bit different. You kind of got to be with your guys. Um, you got to kind of get that out of the way in the locker room before you come out on the field. It kind of makes you seem... I don't know, standoffish or whatever. Is that just a little thing? Just or, or a spotlight hog, a spotlight or a spotlight hog. Right. Um, and the thing is, when you say things like this, though, when you have signs free, J- free JMO or free Harbaugh or free whatever it's going to be, you know, you're going to be on a bigger stage, and people are going to hopefully hold you accountable. And you're either going to come off as somebody who's insincere, unthinking, or someone who just doesn't you know is is uh disingenuous you know that they're just they just want this again a spotlight i'm gonna say things that i'm not really gonna back up that don't make a lot of sense and some players can get away with it but the quarterback of a team it's it's gonna be hard to to get away with that so yeah yeah no i just think it's i just think it's a young person saying something that something that doesn't Makes sense. mean a whole lot, but no, it makes sense. I mean, he wants his, he's, he's thinking that the school did it because the NCA was going to force him to do it. Right. I, I assume, I mean, maybe he's not, maybe he's not thinking that at all, but I mean, that would make some sense if he thought that, but, uh, I just think it's a young person saying, I want my coach back and, and thinking, uh, you know, Hey, we're all in this together. It's just no different than the formation they did, which actually bugged me a lot more than the free Harbaugh. But uh, <laughs> weird, weird, weirdly enough, by the way, let's talk about Tucker. But by the way, that's the other thing about that is that it's it just depends on your perspective. You know, the Michigan State people were like, I can't believe these U of M players are supporting basically a criminal coach, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the Michigan people loved it, right? So it's just all about your it's it's tribal. It's just totally <laughs> tribal. Absolutely. A criminal coach. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, I actually got that in some emails, but yeah, it was funny. So what? So what's your thought on Tucker? Well, I liked your, I liked your column about uh, the booing, and I, I liked it that he accepted it, and he explained his kid to his kids, to his young men, male players, who are some of them are probably twenty four, but um, yeah, he explained to them how this is, you know a possibility and you had that nice line about the the current players are paying for the sins of last year and and the coaches coaching failures of last year um but this is this is sports this is athletics they've been even though they're kids uh who are like 20 21 19 whatever they gotta learn to deal with it right they've been been playing long enough they know that you know that the 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 uh, patience is short in East Lansing after last year, and I like the way that Tucker accepted that. He didn't fight back on it. And no, he didn't. He didn't. made them have he to didn't. understand. And it was it was a bad start for the for the team. You know, against Central Michigan, it was concerning uh, that first half. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 good. You have to accept where you are. That helps you move forward. If you ignore your situation, uh, that's that's a lot more problematic. So. An opportunity for growth for them, I think. I also thought it was interesting that that, and maybe a lot of people would dismiss this, but I thought, first of all, he knows he knows, right? So Tucker understands he and and the fact that he prepped his team because let's let's face it, you know, athletes love getting booed on the road if they're winning or whatever, you know, or just they run on the field, they love it. Ah, bring it on, bring it on. But when you get booed at home, that's different, right? So you got to learn to you got to learn to you know, deal with that and understand that's going to be part of it. Like Tucker said, Hey, it's just like pro ball. And it really kind of is. In oh, so yeah. many different, and he, I mean, you could say that in all sorts of ways in terms of the two, the two levels, but, but yeah, the, 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 to me, it also said, look, Tucker fully understands where his program's at, that he's actually going to, at part of a team meeting, talk to his guys, be prepared to get booed at home early. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't have a game plan for this first half, so let's uh, yeah be prepared. <laughs> yeah, but but the fact that he you know and didn't want him, and didn't want him to be surprised, and then talked to him about, it. and then he said he sort of talked to him about it as it was happening, and uh, so that tells you he has a sense that it's not easy for them if he feels like he's actually got to talk to him on the sideline 
while it's happening. So, and it can't be. I mean, you're what you, you say 24, but you're also 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, whatever. These days, you know, who knows? Maybe you're 30 with uh, with all the extra years. But no, that that's something you got to get through. And uh, and I just I just thought it was interesting. And I wanted to put it in a little bit of this perspective, Carlos. Of you know, he's he's putting his he's put his foot in his mouth a little bit this last few weeks. Yeah. He's come across as pointing the fingers at other people, and he didn't do that yesterday with either Coleman, Keon Coleman, or with the booing. And I thought, okay, that's that's smart. You know, absolutely. And so I he, want uh, I want to write about that because he's not looked good lately, has he? Yeah, and that's I, I. It was I think it was smart. I mean, I hope hopefully the the message went farther than just get ready for the booing. Is you know, uh, don't react, don't 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 turn on the fans. Don't it's a it's a battle you can't win. You know, don't don't criticize them in the media. Don't talk publicly about we need more support because that that that's what tends to happen. I mean, I you know they should he could he could just point to some tweets or Instagrams or whatever of a of a young lady named Kelly Stafford and see how that works out. You know, you, you can't take on <laughs> the angry mob and win. It's not going to happen. So just take the high road and that's going to be the lesson. Um, and you know what, you know what I would tell them if I were a Tucker, I'd tell the players like, listen, raise your hand if you want to play pro ball. And then, you know, 90 hands are going to go up and it's like, yeah, guess what? It's going to be even worse when you get to the league. If you get to the league, it doesn't take much for a couple of three and outs. It doesn't matter if you're the Chiefs or you're, or you're the Bears. Uh, the fans are paying a lot of money. They expect a lot. And in college, the difference is that there's all these, you know, emotional attachments to, this, to the teams versus the monetary. But people, I think you mentioned in your column, you know, they, the fans deserve, they, they have the right to boo. That's, that's their privilege, you know, um, some people think it's right or die. You can't do anything. You can't nothing but, you know, rah, rah, glory. That's not true. That's not really being a fan. I think, you know, if you're just unthinking. Um, so it, it was, I'm sure it was hard, but I'm glad. I'm glad he, he, that's a really good sign for him to manage that so well. And there wasn't any drama, any biting back. Cause that would have been, that would have been the story, right? If uh, Noah Kim chimes in, uh, we need more support. How dare the fans? We've worked so hard to get here, blah, blah, blah. Then he would be torn to shreds on social media and maybe traditional media. No, for sure. And I thought it was interesting he brought the booing up twice and on his own. And then I asked him about it. Um, I don't know if that was clear in the column because I didn't say I asked him about it. But, you should have uh, said I asked him. And I, <laughs> but... Uh, no, but I thought you know, for, pros, for prosaic questions, don't you don't have to mention yourself. No. But... Uh, but uh, uh, but no, yeah, he he was. It's definitely been something he'd been thinking about, and and, and I, I would bet he he learned a little bit just from the blowback in the last few weeks, the way he was sounding, and um, and I just thought, okay, he's 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 back on that track a little bit, and I just thought that was that was smart. We'll see. Um, by the way, real quickly, if the, if Harbaugh's point, a couple of, not point, but argument a couple of weeks ago that the players need to get paid directly. Um, if that ever happens, then there'll be no difference from pro ball in terms of the booing, right? And the expectation and, and the freedom fans feel like, well, you're getting paid. You're not just some amateur. Uh, I can boo you and say whatever I want. I don't think there'll be no difference. There will be a difference still, but uh, it, it'll be less. Yeah, that, that line will be blurred for sure more. Yeah, it's uh, it's all interesting. To think about, but uh, we got to get to the Lions, don't we? And we need to—we probably need to take a break before we do. Yeah. Okay, because uh, their their Super Bowl march starts what tonight? It starts tonight. Tonight, <laughs> tonight in Kansas City. Tonight. tonight in Kansas City. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more free press sports from Carlson Shaw. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carl Shishan. Carl, that was uh, that was that was enjoyable. Thank you for for pushing and uh, forcing out such a, a thoughtful a segment. Not for me, but from you. Anytime, uh, you know. It's, I'm glad we we let off covering two programs that have their own podcast on the Free Press Network. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and we're bearing the lines that doesn't have one for some reason. But uh, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, make sure you catch Hail Yes, our new podcast about. Michigan Wolverines with Tony Garcia and Ryan Ursaven. 
and uh, the Spartans. Uh, talking Spartans, right, with Graham Couch and Chris Solari? Yeah, Graham and Graham and Chris Solari do a fantastic job. That that's that's been going on for a while, so people people don't even need to know about it. So no, they they yeah, hard, yeah long heck, and strong for them. Yeah, to, to heck with them. By the way, can I just? I want to ask you. I just want to say one more real quick thing about the last segment about booing. I personally, um, and I, I'm with you. Fans can boo all they want; they have the right to boo. I can't imagine ever booing. Like I, I just can't imagine. I was going to ask going, you: Have you ever booed? No, I've never booed. I, I can't if if I don't if I disapprove, not disapprove, but that's just so. Ugh, ugh. I, if if a team's struggling or not playing well or whatever, or something's going on, I just then I don't watch or I just sit there. I mean, I it's been so long since I've been a fan because of this job, but. I've just never, it just wouldn't occur to me to actually yell out at another human being who's trying to do the best they can and, uh, and ripping them like that. I just, I, I, I can't relate to it. I understand it. I mean, I intellectually understand it, but I can't relate to it. What about you? I've never booed one of my own teams. Um, I've certainly been frustrated <laughs> and yelled. Yeah. I could maybe have yelled at Dave Roberts a couple of times for asking Pedro Baez to come in for the 10th time in 10 days or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, so the, the interesting thing is when I've been not too, not too long in the, in the past, been to a Dodger game. It was a playoff game actually. And Dodger stadium, you know, the LA crowd is a little bit different. Um, they're not as dyed in the wool loyal the way that like a lot of traditional like Midwestern Northeast teams are like my grandfather and his fa- grandfather follow these teams. It's a lot more transient culture and population. So, and I think a lot for a long time, the sports media reflected it too, as far as it was less uh, homerism. That's probably changed now because of regional networks, but yeah, people let them have it. And I've been to a lot of Dodger games where in the recent past, the, where people are booing pretty good players, you know, Cody Bellinger and such, uh, when they're on strikeout streaks or whatever, hitless streaks and booing Dave Roberts and booing, you know, um, I, it would, I, 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 I'm with you, Sean. I can't, I can't really see myself booing the team I'm rooting for and supporting, but I have, yelled at a few players probably or usually the coach or manager or why are you doing this and come on right now and something you know um but booing not booing um and it's been yeah i i i agree it takes at at home when i'm by myself in front of the tv i'm a lot more vociferous probably in my criticism oh yeah right right yeah you got you got a lot more frustrated don't you I and I, I I get really angry, but I'm also not. Even if I was at the stadium, it wouldn't cla- It wouldn't qualify as booing. It'd just be uh, being upset and you know unhappy with the results or the the execution, but not literally booing somebody. No. Yeah, like I was at a Tiger game against the Red Sox one time. It was in I don't know the late '80s, maybe early '90s. I can't remember. Clemens was pitching, and it was a rainout. And- not a rain out, but it was rain delay. And then there were a few people and we kind of went down behind home plate. And I remember when Clemens was pitching between the pitches and somebody yelled out, Hey Clemens, I just saw your sister out in the parking lot. And it reverberated all the way out through. And so you hear that kind of stuff all the time, I, I guess. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's like trash, that's trash, trash talk and insult. And yeah. But the, but the, the idea of just, just booing, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's just, it's to me, it's a, it's a different, kind of thing can you yeah, understand a, though like right now if tigers fans are booing bias when he strikes out for the yeah, third straight I, time I, chasing i know i I, to, I totally know why i do it and it's interesting because this would be a good segue to the lions um you were talking about you were talking about homerism and i have i think a different idea of homerism than a lot of a lot of people a lot of fans even a lot of people in our business i don't a lot of people think of homers as well you, you're willing to be critical or whatever and i understand that but to me when you are so critical of a team, that's kind of homerism to me because they, because you act like they owe you something, and they don't, and so you feel like you you are owed and you own some part of their soul, and uh, therefore you can just say whatever you want to say about their performance because they're yours. To me, that's like the ultimate kind of homerism. 
Like you're 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 looking for bona fides by going after something because you want to show, not you, not personally, but you want to somehow show your objective. But you're not being objective at all. You're letting your emotion get in because you feel like you you owed something. And, and fans are like that too. So uh, anyway, speaking of homerism, I, here's my question to you: as a segue to the Lions, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. Uh, with Charles Barkley because I had seen a, an outtake, right, about him talking about Dan Campbell and how he would love to go play football oh, for Dan Campbell, Jesus, even, though okay. he hated fo- even though he hated football. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They want to get hit. Anyway, there was, so that led to another podcast with Simmons. It was a preview. And this is my question about homerism. He and his podcast analyst, NFL guy, and his name escapes me, forgive me, said, both of them said, I don't see the lines. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm paraphrasing. I don't understand the hype train. Uh, they're basing it all off on something that didn't mean anything last year. It was just a late season run. We see that from teams all the time. Their defense was terrible. Yeah, they'll put up some points, but uh, what do they really have? You know, they're nowhere near as good as Dallas, San Francisco, uh, and Philadelphia in the NFC, and they will be lucky to win seven games. And they were both asking each other, what are we missing? Why is there all this hype out there? And that made me think about the local media. And I haven't really seen any of that perspective from any of us, have you? And what do you think of that? And what do you think of that in general? That idea that is this all just a ruse? And by the way, they ended with, and by the and by the way, they ended it with, and don't forget these are the lions. And that po- <laughs> and, 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 and and that and that poor fan base, because yeah. they're actually legitimately excited for the first time in a long time, and it's just gonna be suffering. Yeah, I, I, the the you what you can say is someone who says that I don't understand the hype. I don't understand it. You know, um, they definitely have not spent any time in Detroit. They have not visited the team. They have not talked to the coaches or the players. Uh, they maybe have not read much of uh, of the media um, takes coming out of Allen Park. Uh, so. It's kind of it's kind of showing their ignorance, really, of not being informed about things. Because if you read things carefully, um, you will understand that the Detroit media has typically not been easy on the Lions, the Dungeon of Doom, and so forth, which is over exaggerated. <laughs> but right. you know, you wouldn't you don't, go ask the last five ten. Lions coaches, if the Detroit media is a bunch of softies, no, they're not. No. And so to have all these people saying, hey, this team looks legitimate. They did some good things last year. They got better. Uh, There should be some improvement on that as far as, uh, you know, Ben Johnson's second year's coordinator, uh, the defense getting more depth, Jared Goff, feeling more comfortable in the offense, all these different things. There's there's no apparent sign of why they should have regressed. So they should more or less perform. Maybe they're not going to be an eight and two team, you know, like 80% winning, but, but they should be better than, and the big thing to me that everybody nationally misses is can't the simply stated Campbell's first year, three 13 and one, has to fire his basically fire demote his offense quarter midway through, and they get they they improve the second half of the season. Second year, he's got to fire his defensive backs coach, and they start one and six, and then they turn it around. He should have been coach of the year last year because they could have easily gotten into the playoff. So that is the reason why because he has he has dealt with adversity so well and that's what everybody misses about dan campbell this whole i'm uh, charles barkley i don't want to run through a you know wall for him and even like red wings coach eric lalone has said i i you know i'm obsessed with him and he said recently like on a, a radio broadcast i think it was that uh show that i want him to talk to our players and this and that it's like yeah the, right the thing that people everybody, everybody gets wrong about dan campbell is that they think he's like some Newt Rockney win one for the Gipper, rah rah, let's do it, let's. And that hard knocks thing was so stupid. The whole like the this weird speech he gave about drowning people in the sh- shallows. That's not why players want to play for him. They want to play for him because he's real, because he's straightforward. He doesn't he doesn't mislead them. He's honest. Um, he's passionate about what he does. And there's 
there's logic to what he does. It's not some weird look at me thing. You know, he's, he's a real dude. He's a real dude with us in the media. That's why the media likes him so much, but he's a genuine person who isn't out for himself and has a very good understanding, holistic understanding of how this all works together. Why the players matter. I was a player. I'm not going to mess with you. That's why they want to play for him. Not because he does a bunch of up downs, not because he gives kind of weird speeches and listens to heavy metal. That's not why. And Charles Barkley, it's, it's disappointing that he was a, you know, Hall of Fame athlete and he just doesn't, he thinks that the rah-rah speech is why people want to play for him or why they're doing better. No, because he's a good dude. And by the way, Jim Caldwell was very similar that way. Players respected him because he didn't mess with their heads and told it like it was. So um, yeah, that's what the, but that's, that's what the national media doesn't understand about Dan Campbell and the Lions is they made significant steps under a lot of adversity last year. So if you remove some of that adversity, uh, and they continue somewhat close to that, you know, the mean, uh, they should be better. They should certainly be better than a one and six start at least. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know about Barkley, not that we want to get bogged down with Barkley. I don't know that it was specifically some kind of rah-rah. I think it's just a, I, I think it's somewhere, I guess I would say uh, it's somewhere in between. Like, I, I understand the national media, I completely agree with your, your point about what's been produced, the journalism has been produced, the, the, what's come out of camp, you know, the a lot of people aren't familiar with the personnel. I mean, the fact is it's more talented, right? They are. I mean, they got young guys that are getting better, and they got they got people in the draft that could be good. I mean, so based, and we say that based on the last couple of drafts where they've shown. So you just kind of base it on history, and yeah, it can all fall apart for sure. But so yeah, I completely agree with that. I don't. I, I do think that I don't think it's just a rah rah. I don't. I think it's just Campbell's vibe. I, I don't. And just when, what he sounds like, the, the the timber of his voice, the the way he carries himself. You and I have talked before about maybe the way he looks and people mm-hmm. get lost. And is he a meathead or whatever? And he's obviously not. And I agree with you that, that, and this will come out more if they do actually really win. If they, if they start winning big, there'll be a much more dissection on the national level about who he is. But to me, the guy, who knows, he may end up having a just really great, great grasp of football. Right. He I mean, has a great, to, to, to your point, I mean, right? His his the, greatest strength is he understands people. He understands he understands what the media wants, who we are, what we want, how we talk. He understands what players want, how who they are, and how they talk. And he understands coaches. I mean, he understands, and he understands. I'm. I think he understands his owner. That's the that's the thing I know least about him is how he how he works with with Sheila. Fordham. She's a bit of a mystery. It's hard. It's hard to get close to her. Um, it's a very quiet and secretive kind of thing. I've tried. It's it's a, Nora, a, a door I keep knocking on. Um, it's hard. But other other than that, other than his relationship with the owner, which by all accounts seems fantastic, but we don't know what the depth is there. But we, you and I are there all the time, Sean. And and the magic of Campbell is that he. He gets everybody. He doesn't, he literally gets everybody. When you're in a press conference and there's two or three people who ask this, want to ask a question at the same time, he'll point to one, say, hold on. But, and, and he does it. He's like a conductor and you know, he's going to come back to you. You're not fighting for this and fighting for that. Um, so he's, he's very fair that way. And if he's fair with the media, he's damn sure fair with his players. (laughs) Um, and that's, that's all you can expect from a, from a coach, you know, is a leader is be fair, be understanding, understand where I'm coming from, uh, what my motivations are. And, and he just does. And he looks like you said, he's the antithesis. He's, he looks like a big brawny meathead football dude. Um, he doesn't, (laughs) he's the most surprising coach I've ever covered that way. And, um, and it was funny. I was, we were in a press conference a few days ago, whatever it was. I can't keep track of time anymore, but I was asking him about Ben Johnson. And last year, he refused to say that Ben Johnson was going to actually call the plays all the way up until game one of the season, even though we knew he was going to do it because he was doing it in camp in preseason. He, he had the micro and all that stuff. So 
but he refused to do it. And we, I won't get into the reasons why, but he refused to do it. And so it was the definition of being cagey of not. And I thought, what's the word? How can I ask this question? I thought he will love the word cagey. I've never heard it said to him before, but I'm like, this is a Dan Campbell word, cagey. And so I said, you were a little cagey about it last year. And he smiles and he laughs. He kind of says, cagey. Like I knew it. And that was, that was the thing of understanding who he is and his motivations, how he likes to talk, how he likes to think, you know, the words he chooses, you know, and he's, he's really cut, he cut back on the stuff like grit and all that, but he doesn't have to say that word. He, I think that's, it's, it's embedded in his messaging about the way he wants his players. Now he's saying football players. We don't have talented players. We have football players because I think he doesn't like the word talent as much because it means you're Jamison Williams and you're not, you know, whatever. He wants you to be a football player, a holistic, tough, I don't care, I'm going to get this done kind of person versus I can run a 4.2, you know, 40-yard dash and I'm really great and I've got great hands, whatever. So that's the thing with him. He just, he just gets it. And if you are around him long enough, and that's why, you know, you, you will get to see it. But if you're a national guy who parachutes in, from Sports Illustrated or the national, whatever, I'm not ripping on SI, but any any national, ESPN, whatever, and you try to spend a little bit of time with him and interview some people, you won't get Dan Campbell. You've got to spend time and really see how he works the room, how he works with people, what his answers are. Um, but yeah, that's why, that's why there's a lot of hope for this team. That's why there's the hype train. It's Dan Campbell. People believe in him, you know, and there's, I've said this before, I've written it, he will get another job. If once this ends with the Lions for whatever reason, he's going to be a coach again. He'll be, he'll, he's, he'll never stop being a head coach from here on out. You know, I would, I would agree with that, but I, but I don't think, and I, you're spot on about it, all the reasons you just gave, but there's another one that's pretty critical. And if you think about how, where he was, who he learned under, who he played for, who he coached under, mm-hmm. and the two biggest influences, the two best coaches, the two most, influential coaches in his life he's got parts of both of them and the part that gets talked about more is the part you just talked about is bill parcells who was also kind of a master at understanding human nature right i mean parcells was parcells was considered the guy in terms of that of his era and Mm -hmm. but he also you know he's also a really good defensive coach and all that and brought up belichick the other part though is if you listen to camp, the thing that I always think about, and I don't know how much of this the national guys or gals listen to or not or whatever, maybe they do. I don't want to make assumptions, but you listen to his post game pressers, and then sometimes the the Monday pressers or you know maybe the second press conference after a game. Think about how analytically is when he's talking about what happened and the way the way he talks about why this play didn't work, why this play did, why this person was supposed to be, this person didn't chip. He's, he's talking about f- sometimes it's just fundamental or you're supposed to be in this and move your move this way, that way, whatever. Sometimes it's the larger design of a play and it didn't w- quite work or it did work or he looked off. It's very analytical, really analytical. And he doesn't do that for the whole press conference, but he gets into that almost like, and it's, it's, it's sort of professorial. And it takes you, I remember that first, it sort of took me aback. I'm like, oh, like this dude really sees this game. And, you know, it makes me actually think of Izzo a little bit, who can come across as a rah-rah guy. But if you ever go into a film room with Izzo, it's like, I, I understand why he loves football. It's the it's the breakdown, it's the, the geometry of moving in space. And that's, you know, you you have to you see things a certain way. That takes a real talent, you know. A real talent that ben, that ben Johnson's got that right. So he's, I think Campbell does too. When he says we see the game the same way, that's what he's talking about. He can see and anticipate, and you hear that in bits and parts of his. So he combines both of those things. I'm not saying he's Sean Payton and, and Bill Parcells. He's got a long way to go. A long way to go, right? I don't know if he has a long way to go. Yeah, I think he's I mean, almost in there. Terms of, he's... In terms of, in terms of, <laughs> no, no, both those guys won Super Bowls. So that's what I'm saying. You got to go win a Super Bowl to get talked about like that, but and and maybe that's not as far off as maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that's not that far off. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's definitely you know he's he's way more Parcells. Um, I mean Parcells, you know, could have gotten the the New York media to eat 
you know, dirt off the floor. I mean, they just loved him so much. He'd come down into the the reporter's room, as he used to call it, and BS with them for a while. And, and uh, you know, he was great. And he, by the way, he hired, right, he hired Bill Belichick. Uh, I think he might have been a special teams guy. And then he got promoted to, I think it was linebackers coach um, before he was the DC. And, and guys weren't sure about him. Um, you know, Lawrence Taylor was like, are you sure about this guy, Bill? He was so, you know, it's not that Ben Johnson's a one for one for Belichick, but like, you know, Parcells understood genius. He saw genius even in uncommon, an uncommon way, the way that, you know, Ben Johnson definitely had way more, uh, experience behind him, but you know, Campbell saw this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. He's really smart. He's going to design plays for us, um, and recognize that. So that's the, the true sign of a really great head coach is hiring the right people. Um, but absolutely. No, for the, sure. It, knowing for the game. Sure. And it, I mean, to me, I mean, like, you know, Jim Schwartz is that way. You could ask him about a play and he could break it down into the most minute detail. And the, the thing that's a little bit different about Campbell for just from the media's point of view is if you ask him about a certain play and uh, just if you want to have better understanding, you know, if you're not trying to assign blame, if you're just trying to understand like, hey, when this happens, is is the guard supposed to pull there or was that a broken play or whatever it was? And and he might say this, uh, wait, you're talking about, was that the third and long in the second quarter? He's like, yeah, okay, second quarter. Okay, I got you, I got you. Yeah, okay, it was, yeah, what was supposed to happen is here. So he doesn't mind breaking things down. And by the way, Marinelli used to run some film sessions for reporters too to have them understand some of the bigger picture of what they were trying to do. Um, you know, so... I don't think that's super unique about understanding the game. Most coaches, I think, probably understand the game and can break down plays. Whether they're willing to do it or not is a different question. Um, but it's impressive, for sure. I mean, it's impressive when every, any coach can... It's like a golfer. Like, you know, after you're done with the round, every gol- a golfer can tell you stroke by stroke what happened over whatever, 80 strokes. Um, I, I, but a coach can do the same thing. They can, you know, how many what other 60 plays in a game or whatever, you know, like break down every single play. How did it happen? Why did it happen? Who was at fault? What was, why did it work? Why did it, you know, um, I mean, he has an impressive memory that way and, and recall, um, intellect. So it's cool. I mean, he has, it's, it's really the, it's really the, the total package, you know, is he's, he's so impressive in so many ways. And on top of it is from my perspective is, I covered him as a player and he was so, he just wouldn't talk to the media, not in a mean way, but he just didn't want to talk. Some guys are like that. They're just very, not going to, not going to just talk a lot. Um, So in fact, I want to ask him about that one of these days, if I ever get a chance to, you know, have, have a few moments with him, like at least in Detroit, he wasn't here that long, but he didn't talk a lot. Like what was the deal? And uh, back in the day, there was an old, kind of an unwritten rule about offensive linemen that they were not supposed to talk to the media. They was looked down upon if you talk to the media and as a tight end, maybe that a little bit rubs off, you know, working with the O-line, but I would like to know why. And it was so surprising to me um, what his, what he's like now as a coach versus what he was like as a player. But yeah, the guy, the guy is just, the guy has managed crisis so impressively. Um, and that's the national media doesn't understand that because it is it's funny it's you get you get blinded by the kneecap thing and all this stuff um that's just the the frosting on the top you know it's not the actual layered cake underneath it no there's a lot of substance there for sure and um it's very observant of course you know i'm with you on him getting another job and, and we need to wrap this up and take another break but i'll say this the the job that Brad Holmes is doing and the way they work together, it's it's good to the point where it's kind of hard to separate because they've got some talent too. They're developing talent, they're finding talent, they're coaching talent. And Holmes is really, really deferential, which is probably smart. But uh, he might be pretty good at what he does in his own way too. We'll see, you know, if he keeps this up. So yeah, it's... It's a brotherhood, you know, kind of like you and me. I mean, we're obviously a lot better at what we do than those two are, but... <laughs> oh, of course. Get paid so much uh, more, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm About the same. I'm kidding. All right, man, let's uh, take a, one more break and come back and uh, and get to your favorite thing. We will be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. 
Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's that time of the show. Carlos, your favorite time of the show where you get to talk about uh, what brought you some some joy, but also some peace, you know, some relative uh, uh, calm. Does it have to be? Why can't it be an, why can't it be an angry joy? Well, is there such a thing? So yeah, sometimes sometimes I'm happy I mean, when I'm happy when I'm le- when I'm my least happy. How about why, what that? did I see? What did I see the other day? Well, I saw. Have you met Mike Ulrich? Day. Yeah, right. What did I see the other day? It was a meme made me think of you. It had to do with uh, I'm not happy unless everybody else around me is suffering. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the that was the. <laughs> that was the gist of it. Oh, it was about uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and uh-huh. and uh, Michigan fans being happy that Michigan State struggled at first, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And somebody came in and said, "Can't can't you guys just enjoy your own programs and teams? Why do you worry about the other?" And uh, and then that's when the meme came in. I'm not happy unless I'm winning and you're losing. <laughs> and that's pretty much right right that's that's yes. that's that's the world we live in yes well so mine, your mine actually I, I hate to disappoint you sean but it's actually a very nice one it's very simple it's always a nice one what are you talking about it's yes this one was really nice because we have a new neighbor and uh, an older gentleman named andy and he came over and knocked on her front door and we almost didn't answer it because we didn't even hear it. And we're like, is someone knocking on the door? And I went over and answered it and he introduced himself and he brought a, a little box of tomatoes from his garden, some grape tomatoes, um, and introduced himself. And uh, it was just a really nice gesture um, to do that. It, and we were uh, caught up in our own struggles that we were trying to get some stuff together and, and, uh, sort some things out in the house. And it's always funny when you're caught up in your own drama and then someone knocks on the door and reminds you, you know, there are nice people out there and you should think about, uh, other people sometimes and what they're going through. So it was, it was a nice introduction and, uh, hope to return the favor to our new friend and our new, our new neighbor, Andy, uh, very soon. So that was my favorite thing. That's awesome. Mine is really, really simple. I, um, it was a holiday weekend this past weekend and, you know, kick off of football, college football anyway, pros, as you know, just talk about it's about here. And um, so Labor Day weekend for me is just, a, you know, work all weekend. And it was this do it was, I worked, I think I wrote Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And, um, but on Monday, I went up to East Lansing for, for uh, Mel Tucker's weekly news conference and wrote the column that we talked about earlier, but the booing. And uh, on the way back from East Lansing, I, I sort of took back roads down past Stockbridge and kind of over near Pinckney because I have a couple of friends that have a, a lake house. It's just a small little place on one of the chain of lakes out there. And normally I get out there two, three times a summer. They have a pontoon. It's an old rookie pontoon. Go out to a place, anchor, and swim. I love swimming in the lake. And I had not done that all summer. I've been out there a few times uh, taking them food, making hard work. They did some work on their place and so helping out, but it just, it just didn't work out. It was kind of odd. So finally, uh, one of the, one of the folks said, Hey, come on over the weekend. I said, I'm working all weekend, but I'm coming back from East Lansing. Can I stop? So I did, I stopped, uh, I don't know, six o'clock in the evening, whatever, after I'd filed and driven from East Lansing and they got on the pond, changed real quickly, got on the pontoon, drove out, swam for 10 minutes, uh, washed away the whatever the weight of you know life, and um, got back on the pontoon, went back to the house, changed, and, and came home. I was out there for forty five minutes, but just just that ten minutes of floating. I did a little bit of swimming, not much. I did a little crawl up and down the you know whatever, but uh, but mostly I just kind of tread water and just let that let that feel. So uh, the weightlessness, relatively speaking. So yeah, that was by far my favorite thing. I finally got in the water. Nice, you spent the spent the weekend on a yacht when you should have been working. Okay, that's that's nice. You know that was uh, that was that was great. I've been trying to do that all summer. Yeah, no, you mean after I'd worked all weekend, I I couldn't take Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will let, to the listener out there. I'll give Sean credit that it's not easy to do that, and you do this all the time, Sean. But like making the time to see somebody to have a quick bite with them to stop in 
after I'm done covering an event, I just I just want to go home. And I did. I did curl up and cry myself to sleep, and I'm so tired and exhausted. Uh, I did. I have no time I for did. anybody. I did, Carlos. You don't know how much I just wanted to go home, but uh, I felt like I had to do it, and then I was not had to, but I felt you know like I should, and then and then I was glad I did because yeah, I love the I love the water. You know, I swam as a kid. Um, competitively for a bit and not that I ever want to, you know, but yeah, I just, I've always loved the water. My pop was a college swimmer. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. For, for uh, a little bit until, yeah, it's a long story, but anyway. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a nice, that's a nice uh, favorite thing. And I'm glad I was really scared. You're going to say, you know, after I said the cherry tomatoes for man, you're going to say, I like tomatoes too. Okay. Join us next week. Well, we are starting to get a few out of the garden. Our garden is much smaller. Uh, that reminds me, Carlson. I know we're, we're wrapping this up. One of the one of the funniest insults I've ever heard. You probably haven't seen this movie. Maybe you have. It's called Pride and Prejudice. There's like twenty Pride and Prejudice. Okay, the version the version with Kira Knightley and Judy Dench and um, uh, Matthew McFadden, who's uh, in Succession. I think I've not seen Succession. I don't but think I know I've seen that one. No. Well, Judy Dench plays this, you know, matriarch, wealthy, who's just mean and. She goes to somebody to insult them. She's upset with them about something ruining the family name or whatever. And she knocks on the door and it's late at night and she, you know, it's on and on unannounced. And she gets in and before she lays into Kira Knightley, she says, You have a very small garden, madam. <laughs> and it's a, uh, that, that line has always stuck to me. Like that was, she was trying to insult her, but yeah. saying, so maybe inadequate yeah exactly which means you're inadequate and everything about <laughs> you and your family's inadequate etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's a yeah it's a it's a metaphor for you should never exist <laughs> <laughs> all right i gotta watch it now hey i don't know if you'll like it or not it's uh you know it's if you like period pieces like that but. oh yeah i love them i have watched a few emma's i think i've seen the colin firth Pride and Prejudice. That's yeah, a I've one. seen I've seen that one too. I prefer this one a little bit better, but um, but yeah, that's a good one too. And and uh, who else is in that one? Uh, Emma Thompson. I believe Emma Thompson. It's no original Top Gun, but yeah, it's uh, it's up there. Well, I mean, nice. you know, yeah, it's uh, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> a and you you love to use the word zeitgeist for whatever reason. So <laughs> that's a that's a. I think Maverick guy, said it at one of the one of the. That's a zeitgeist movie in, in, the, in, in the in the worst kind of way. Yeah. All right, man. We got to thank people and get out of here. I want to thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for spending time, oh. making time for letting me be. Let, thanks for letting me be part of your podcast. Oh, anytime, Sean. It's a uh, it's a privilege. We want to thank Robin Chan who makes this possible and produces this. Whatever you want to call this. Who else are we thinking? Anjanette Delgado. Kirkland Crawford, who am I missing? Nicole Avery, you say it. Nicole Avery Nichols, yes. Yeah. I think she's the editor. I think Anjanette's the number two. I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but it, yes, she's it, the editor. It, it the executive editor. We just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we just need to thank Robin. Titles Chan. don't matter. We need to thank Robin. He's the one that does it. He's the only and, one that matters. And, and, and Kirk, he well, is forced, forced to listen to it. He's, he's not the... Robin's important, but he's not the most important person, right? Well, the listeners are, of course. The listeners are. And where do we find uh, uh, where do we find this? MySpace, uh, uh, Reddit, <laughs> uh, Spotify, and Apple. Let's start. There. Well, that sounds about right. You wrote a column the other day and referenced Meatballs, and I'm like, okay, ten people, <laughs> ten people know know who that mo- what that movie is. So, still the greatest all times motivational speech in the history of film. Yes, uh, the Bill Murray summer camp classic. But yeah, you, you, I thought, my God, you know, I, I got to get you into the into the 2020s. But uh, it was funny though. Um, all right, anything else? We're gonna. We're going to talk about, I mean, football's here. We'll be back next week. Maybe we'll get Dave Burkett on. Maybe we won't. I guess it's up to him if he wants to grace us with his presence. But we're going to talk Lions either way, right? We don't have to have him. We don't need no Dave Burkett. Nah, we just need Robin and uh, and some patience. All right. Until next week, Carlos, uh, when we return with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean.